everybody, to the latest All Lions podcast. I am the Doc, John Macaroon. Joining me back, I'm looking forward to get his recap. Logan Lamarandier is back on the podcast. I need to get his sense of what he made of the Lions season, what's going to happen in free agency, the draft. We're going to break it all down. The Lions tree basically is spreading throughout the NFL potentially. Maybe not this year, but it could be happening. We got to take a look at a lot of the key storylines this weekend. Logan is really great. I do look forward to talking football with you. I know this season had its ups and downs, but I'm definitely curious, as are the listeners of the podcast, what did you make of the Lions' 9-8 season and how it finished? Because it has been, and it was, a tale of two seasons, one in which the first half was disastrous, but some lessons were actually learned, which helped the Lions finish a strong 8-2, and two, which has given people so much hope, realistic hope, for the first time since you and I have been broadcasting together. It's fun to see. It's a lot more fun to cover. And there is more realistic hope. And you know I'm not going to blow smoke and tell people fake falsehoods. I'm going to tell it like it is. And this is the first offseason when you hear, oh, the Lions can be in the playoffs. They can do it and make noise. When you look at the framework of what they're trying to accomplish, you can actually see it for the first time maybe since the Caldwell era. Yeah, John, first of all, yeah, great to be back. And I know it's been a while, but yeah, looking forward to getting more of these on the schedule and talking Lions. But yeah, there's a lot to unpack with this season with the Lions, just how things started, how things finished. After that one and six start, uh, yeah, my confidence was shaking quite a bit on the direction of the team. I, and I under, fully understood it was only year two of a rebuild, but uh, just the way they turned around at the end of the season, going eight and two the rest of the way. And just the players, all the young guys that they had step up that were just being playmakers and, you know, reaching that potential early. And there's still some development to go. But I think that's what's most encouraging about this team is that the the groundwork and the pillars and the cornerstones of this team are all in place and under contract. And to, to me, that's just how this rebuild needed to happen, where you you get the bulk of your team and the core of your roster through the draft. And Brad Holmes had to hit on those picks and he hit not only on his top picks, but he hit on the later round picks too, that are instant contributors and just making a big impact on the team. And you have to give Holmes a lot of credit for the free agency sign too. just guys off the waiver wire and kind of outcasts and guys who hadn't really found a home. They were a big part of this turnaround too, at the end of the year. So I think that's, you know, with Ben Johnson coming back, having continuity within the coaching staff, there's yes, the Lions have some free agents, but for a good majority of their team, they're probably going to be back and you're going to have some youth coming into this draft too. So I just think the Lions are building this the right way. Uh, that the end of last season would kind of put the trajectory and the expectations for next year at a higher mark. And that's, it's, I can't wait till next year. I, I keep telling that to everybody. I haven't had this feeling in a long time where I'm already ready just after the end of the season, I'm already ready for the next year. Um, and there's a lot of fun stuff that happens in the off season, but I just think this team, you know, I know one season doesn't always carry over to the next and things can change, but I just feel like this team's so on the right track and so optimistic. And I just haven't had this feeling in a while. And it's, it's great to finally have that, you know, feeling back that this is a team that is going to be able to do something next year. 
Yeah, and the blessing is more is coming. I don't think the Lions are going to be a team that are going to be like, well, yeah, we were 9-8, and eight, let's clap. You felt it because, honestly, I know that you realize that going into Lambeau Field and defeating the Packers on Sunday night football didn't mean anything in terms of the playoffs, but what it meant was the football team was able to handle some news that was not so good, and then they were able to, in essence, be able to put that aside and then come back and perform at a high level. And they really, I think, put a dent in the Packers' morale, especially with the fan base, with Aaron Rodgers. So it was epic to see how the Lions finished the season. They were able to bounce back after a tough loss against the Panthers. And that's what we all want is Dan Campbell. I put a recent post up at All Lions, and this is the two-year anniversary of Dan Campbell giving that speech where he said, we are going to be eventually the last team standing. We're going to bite kneecaps. We're going to be aggressive. And it was a mindset. And to hear that message again in a different context, because the first time you realize, okay, maybe he was a, a head coach with a lot of bravado and he's trying to really pump himself up and believe, but it was a message to the locker room that this is the type of team we're going to field, an aggressive team, a team that's going to play hard, that, yeah, there'll be setbacks, there'll be ups and downs, but bottom line, when it comes down to it, eventually we're going to be the last team standing, and that's the goal. So while I was deeply disappointed when the game started against the Packers because the team didn't make the postseason, and of course officials and, and, and the impact of the league on a game the Lions weren't even in was seen heavily in that Rams game, but you said it, there's optimism. There's a framework of, wow, there are at least 10 players that you want to keep on this roster that will definitely make an impact moving forward. And even though there are question marks, there are basically, Logan, we're having NFL talks. We're talking about the quarterback. We're talking about can they win in the postseason? Can they make plays? Can the superstar Jamison Williams actually meet expectations? This is what other NFL teams talk about instead of talking about all year where the Lions are going to be drafting. Should they tank? That talk was basically erased this year, and that was great. And now, the benefit of the Stafford trade now comes to fruition where you're a 98 football team who's now drafting sixth and 18th. It's so good, man. But uh, do you agree with Brad Holmes? He was asked point blank, what's the unit that you believe needs to be upgraded? Is the fastest way to upgrade this football team is to build through the defense, maybe using the sixth and number 18 pick? Or if any, if a trade does come down, to take an impactful defensive player because you could make the argument and not many will make it, but you could say you have this offense led by Ben Johnson, who is returning. You have Jared Goff, you have weapons. What if you just add another weapon at number six, the top wide receiver, the top running back? What happens if you build on a strength and you go, okay, now we have the best offense in the NFL and we'll work on patchworking the defense. I don't think that's a philosophy that's going to work because the defense is so bad. <laughs> you look at the, PF, uh, the PFF grades, I know you have. The coverage grade is atrocious, still middle of the pack in terms of pass rush. You need an upgrade, so I think that's what they're going to do. But you can make the case that you know if you highlight a strength and make it elite, Maybe that catapults you where you carry a defense into the postseason because it's an offensive league and you see who's left, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Bengals, offensive teams predominantly. They're not exactly known for defense, but how do we improve this team, Logan? I think the quickest way would be defense because you look at the offense, 
they're one of the top offenses in the league. If, no matter what piece you add on offense, how much better is that offense going to be and how much of a difference is that going to make when it comes to wins and losses? I, You know, with, with Goff playing well at the end of the year, adding another piece, I don't necessarily, uh, you know, or another weapon, I don't necessarily know if that's going to translate into more wins because you already had a good offense last year and the defense struggled and the defense got better, but there's still holes on that defensive on the defensive side of the ball. And to me, I just think if you get an instant impact player, you know, like another Hutch, you know, I'm not saying that a cornerback or a defensive tackle is going to have that same type of impact that Hutch Hutchinson made. But if you look just on the defense, if you can find one or two pieces more and just more talent on that side of the ball and continue to build off the, the strong younger players that are already starting to develop and make a name for themselves, I think that the defense can win you more games if that were to improve rather than trying to improve the offense from, say, you know, fifth to second or first in the league. And I, I don't know. I, I like what Jared Goff has done. But again, with Jared Goff, he does he, – he isn't the Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allens of the world. He's a good quarterback. When he's not turning the ball over, you know, he does everything he needs to do. He can make all the throws in my mind. Doesn't have the strongest arm doesn't necessarily throw the ball in the tight windows, but I think we saw a recipe that worked for Goff was just playing it safe, hitting the guys that are open, and he was consistent with that. So I just don't know, even if you added another weapon on offense, if that's going to make the offense all much better because you're still kind of at a ceiling, I think, with Goff that he's going to continue just throwing to whoever's open and making plays. So I'm all about drafting defense. At the same time, I will say I'm all about drafting the best player available, too, because you can never have enough talent. Uh, but it looks like there's going to be some really good defensive players on the board in the lock and change from now until the draft and kind of where things shake out. But to me, it's just that defensive side of the ball. I, I think it's going to be the Lions are just a few pieces away, I think, on defense to having a really strong defense. And if you have a really good defense and a really good offense, that's going to win you a lot of games. Yeah, but uh, let's let's look at the other side. Okay, you're at number six, and I know people don't want to do it, but you got to entertain it. That's what we're doing here. Remember, I'm not the general manager. I'm not the guy making the decisions. I have no vote, but I have an opinion, and that's what you guys tune in for. What if you look at B. John Robinson, arguably the best running back in the draft? Many people are mocking him in the first round, not in the top ten, you know, many people will say that running backs, and it's just a position that nobody likes, but you look at it and you say, what made certain teams great? What made the Dallas Cowboys great? It was the triangle. It was Michael Irvin, Emmett Smith, and the quarterback, Troy Aikman. What if I arguably said you got two-thirds of that triangle? Now, nobody's going to really compare Jared Goff to Troy Aikman. But play along with me here, guys. You have Jared Goff working with Ben Johnson, who maybe if you give Johnson the credit that he can evolve Jared Goff one more year and get him to another level, you realize, okay, now there's an opportunity for this Lions football team to be able to take the next step in their evolution. And what what do these teams need when they need to go from one level to the next. You need an elite running back that you can have that can take away the, that can really make it so that Jamison Williams is open, really can go four or five yards a clip, have the opportunity to break plays and do things that are impactful. I know it sounds crazy, but 
do you see potentially the appeal of a star running back? Maybe even if you don't get him at number six, maybe number 18. Do you take a chance and swing a little bit, a little bit more elevated risk to strengthen a unit? I know people will argue and their counter will be, well, just Brad Holmes will be able to do that later. You are gambling. It is a little bit more of a gamble when you take players later than, than when you take talented elite players higher in the draft. B. John Robinson, catch your attention at all? I know he's making waves. He's showing up in mock drafts. Would you move on or maybe use DeAndre Swift as a trade chip? Get a third, second rounder or handle business and, and, and you know find ways to enhance what you can do? This football team does, if you look at it in theory, they could be an elite running back away from not only getting to the postseason but maybe making a run. With Robinson at six, no, I wouldn't consider it just because of the salary cap ramification. If he's a top six pick, he's already going to be one of the highest paid running backs in the league. I'm more in the thought process of you have a good offensive line and you can have some good running backs look great. And it'd be nice if you had an elite running back and behind that offensive line because they could really do some damage. But, you know, the running backs have a short shelf life. Uh, I don't want to overpay for running backs and essentially – you would be at six and it's just, it's kind of like the same position value as a tight end. It's um, in my eyes, basically if you're drafting a running back at six, you better be a hall of famer. You better be, you know, the next best thing and he better have a long career. And you just haven't seen that happen in a long time. And a lot of the best running backs in the league right now aren't necessarily high draft picks. They're usually second to third round, even later than that sometimes uh, in that range. So a running back's a little too rich for my blood. It would be more of a luxury selection in my mind, uh, especially with the needs that you have elsewhere. And I think you'd have a bigger impact at other positions, upgrading those other positions over running back. And the whole DeAndre Swift trade thing, I wouldn't be opposed to it, you know, going into the last year of his deal. And he's he does some really nice things. He's an electric player. If he's healthy, he's he does things that no one else can do. But at the same time, I think he could be a little bit more reliable, especially when it comes to, you know, breaking tackles and being a little bit more powerful, uh, selecting the holes, being more decisive, just getting what's there for him. He doesn't always do that. And that's where I bang my head against the wall sometimes when he's running the ball because there's obvious holes that he misses, but he's just going for the big play. And that's kind of it's a double edged sword with him. So I would entertain thing trade offers with Swift, but it would have to be a pretty enticing offer, I think, for me to want to move on from him. And depending what happens with Jamal Williams and free agency, you you don't really know. I guess we'll know more once the draft approaches where the Lions stand at the running back position. But uh, to me, I think there's you can find a good running back and a cheap running back in the middle rounds. That and running back is a position where you can usually bring them right in and they can make an impact. They're going to it's not like there's a huge learning curve. It's very, it's a very instinctual position where you either have it or you don't, and you don't really see guys all of a sudden four or five years later develop at the running back position. They're great. It's, it's usually you got it when you're young and then you're just going to get ground pounded into the ground and the tires are going to fall off in your late twenties and you're going to call it a career. So to me, I just would prefer a position with more longevity in the NFL and at a position for the Lions that would be a, a big upgrade compared to the running back spot where 
the Lions have a good enough offensive line and you saw Jamal Williams put up a thousand yard season and all the touchdowns he had. Uh, I, I just don't know if running back, I could convince myself to be okay with the Lions drafting running back in the first round at all, man. Okay. I tried. I tried Detroit <laughs> to get Logan to speak on the Detroit Lions enhancing skills. You know, look at me. I think the argument that you would make that people want to make with me is that I take shortcuts. This guy wants to take shortcuts. This guy wants to be a guy that uh, does not want to do it the right way. And obviously, Brad Holmes and company want to do it the right way. They're not going to listen to me and be like, hey, let's take an offensive guy. Let's take an offensive talent and handle business right away. So I understand. I get it. Building through the draft and free agency is the right plan. It's the biggest thing. It's the biggest area of need that this team does obviously need is at defense. Obviously, we can argue in regards to which position, you know, cornerback, linebacker, every every position. I, I say at this point in time, the fairest assessment would be that this team needs a one player at every position. In the interior of the defensive line, one linebacker, one corner, one safety will allow you to, and however you get it, through the draft or through free agency, will allow you to start the process of feeling better about this football team. Four players on defense, starting point there would, in my mind, get the opportunity for this football team to handle business. So I'm excited to see how it plays out. I'm excited to see everything that happens with the Detroit Lions this offseason. There's more hope. There's more optimism that this team can handle everything that is going on. So I'll ask you, Logan, when you see the framework of this Detroit Lions roster and you see how this team is at 9-8, and where they need to upgrade, what do you think is realistically the plan, the ideal plan for Brad Holmes, the front office, the coaching staff this offseason? What should they do in order to ideally make it so that 2023 is a special season, potentially a division-winning season, hosting a home playoff game at Ford Field? What do the Lions need to do this offseason to solidify the high expectations that have now started to rise after a really successful season? You talked about it earlier. The, the coverage is could get a lot better. I think the Lions should invest uh, in a corner. You know, Akuda. I, I don't know where I'm at with him right now. I thought he was turning the corner, and it's tough coming off an Achilles injury and getting right back into form. I think it's going to be great for him having a full offseason to continue training and being healthy, not having any type of surgery to recover from. Uh, so corner is a big spot. And then I think defensive tackle, because the pass rush, yes, it was good uh, on the edges, and you had a lot of rookies stepping up, and you have really a lot of nice players at the position, and you hope Hutch can take that next step and really be a leap. And Houston, if he can continue the tear he's on, that would be amazing as well. But in in terms of the defensive line as a unit, I think uh, McNeil and Bugs did a great job against the run. McNeil showed flashes of being able to get to the quarterback, and even Bugs did too. But neither, I don't think that's necessarily either of their guys' calling cards is like the true gap shooting quickness element of their game where they can uh, collapse the pocket. And if you can collapse the pocket and get interior pressure, you're just going to get more sacks from the edge players. If the defensive interior isn't getting home. So I think it's kind of odd because usually that defensive tackle position is heavily rotated and the lions between McNeil and bugs really didn't do that all that, all that much this year, just because they didn't have the horses behind them. They didn't, they didn't have anyone who was going to be able to provide anything else. So a lot of times you saw, you know, Pascal or even Hutch more so earlier in the year, kind of 
and, and Kaminsky, who did a great job, would be more on the inside during pass rush situations, which is which is fine in obvious pass situations. But at the same time, when you're looking at, you know, those positions where it's maybe third and four and it could be a run play or a pass play, uh, it'd be nice to have a defensive tackle who can get to the quarterback if they do decide to pass or be disruptive against the run. So Jalen Carter, if he's somehow there at six, I think that would be the, the ideal scenario for the Lions at this point. I don't necessarily think he's going to be there, but you you never know. There's still so much to be uh, determined before the, the whole draft happens. So those are my two biggest areas. And I think linebacker could definitely help too. Anzalone played a lot better this year. Malcolm Rodriguez was very solid. And Derek Barnes, he's, he's coming along still. But uh, I just don't know if Brad Holmes necessarily how he feels about linebacker, if he feels like that is – a position he has to have in this defense or needs to spend a lot high draft capital on. But if there's one there, I wouldn't be opposed to it, but it's just wherever they can get better on defense, really on offense, you look at it and there's, there's not all that many holes, maybe right guard with how Vitae uh, potentially being a cap casualty. I know the lions really like him and, um, but he's, he's being paid tackle money. And when you move him inside a guard, he's now being paid great money for a guard. I just don't think he's at uh, that, that level of play where he deserves that. But Tight end, I thought the Lions actually did quite okay after they traded Hawkinson at tight end. I don't think they need to get a tight end, but that spot could probably be improved. I thought Brock Wright, Zilstra, they did they did fine. James Mitchell still coming along. You hope to see some progression from him in his second year. And as tight ends usually do, it takes some time for NFL tight ends to learn the position and really get comfortable and learn everything they need to learn because they have to be able to block. They have to be able to not only block – in the run game and in the pass game, but they have to be able to catch, run routes, build chemistry with golf. So there's a lot going on there. But I, I think tight end's still down the list of priorities, but it wouldn't hurt to maybe add another body there as well. Now, you look at free agency, and many people are going to want the Lions to sign their own um, free agents. And, you know, many people obviously impressed with Jamal Williams, DJ Chark, like you mentioned, Bugs and Kaminsky, you realize that this football team and Brad Holmes has had the strategy of really focusing in on bringing back their own free agents. Do you see the priority being more on offense in regards to making sure that Jamal Williams is happy, making sure that DJ Chark is in the fold? Do you prioritize one of the two? I feel like many of the Lions' own free agents are going to return. You know, obviously a team could make a significant offer to Jamal Williams, I think that DJ Chark is probably trending towards returning back to the Detroit Lions based on what you're hearing and based on the fact that he's now going to have his offensive coordinator back another year in the system working with Jared Goff. It would behoove him to stay in this system. But when you look at the free agency plan, do you think it's fair when you hear Brad Holmes say, we're not going to be as aggressive as many many people might expect? We're going to target our own free agents and maybe find gritty tough football players that will fit the culture. Yeah. And considering how the lions finished off the year and just the play of bugs and Kaminsky and shark, you know, at once he returned and was, was healthy. It, it, it all comes down to the price tag because a lot of these guys probably earned raises with how they played. And if they're willing, I don't think the lions need to overpay for these players, but you know, they work well within the system and you know, they fit, in the culture and they have that attitude that Campbell really looks for. And, you know, they are veterans and you you need a veteran presence on this roster with how much, 
younger players there are and how much younger players there's going to be after the draft. So I Shark, to me, you know, I, I would think that Jameson Williams is definitely going to be eating into his snap counts next season. And what do you want to pay a guy who, you know, I will definitely see the field, but he might not see the field as much as he did this last season once Jameson Williams is healthy. So that's Shark is one where at the right price, I, I would be fine with it. But if if he wants another contract similar to what he got this year with the Lions, I think that might be a tough pill to swallow, just knowing that you have Williams waiting in the wings, ready to take a bigger step. And you already have Amon Ross St. Brown and Josh Reynolds, I think is a, a you know perfect number three type of player for on the outside uh, to be one of those backups. And then Jamal Williams going back to that running back spot. Uh, he, you know, he's getting up there in age for running back and he was, he was good this year. He, he did everything he needed to do, scored a lot of touchdowns, which is great. And a lot of those were short touchdowns where I'm not necessarily convinced that another player, another type of power back couldn't do similar to what Williams did given the same situation. So that's the part I'm struggling with him. And I know he's got a great personality. He's a lot of fun and he loves Detroit. He's super passionate. Uh, there's a lot of intangibles to his game that maybe you'll be willing to pay a little bit more to keep that type of personality around. But uh, there's, it's a really good running back free agency class where <laughs> I think you could get maybe a little bit more of a dynamic player, someone who's a little bit more of a threat in the open field. But it's a trade-off because you know what you're getting with Jamal Williams. He's steady, consistent, uh, stays healthy, and does all the things, the little tough things that often go unnoticed. So that's I, – I don't know if the Lions are going to be able to bring back all their free agents, but it sure seems like a lot of these free agents want to come back, want to be part of this team. And if they're – as long as they're not getting too money-hungry, because there's probably going to be some offers out there where they might get a raise – uh, or maybe more than the Lions would offer, I'm, I'm more than willing to bring these guys back. Yeah, it's a good time, man. It's a good time to be a Lions fan. Players, I mean, when do you hear multiple players want to return? They might even be willing to take less than market value to be able to come back to the Detroit Lions. That is a good sign. That's a sign that the culture is there. And I think Brad Holmes will make the tough decision. If, obviously, Jamal Williams gets a four-year deal and it's $25 million, that's probably not going to be in the Lions' price range. You Then you look to the draft. So, It'll be interesting to see where the first domino lies. Now, we'll finish with this. Great news. Ben Johnson's back in the fold. You're hearing that Aaron Glenn's going to interview with the Cardinals in person. They may find his his schemes to be interesting, his philosophy maybe more than the productivity that you saw on the field. I just think that he hasn't shown enough in terms of defensive prowess to earn a head coaching job. I think he needs one more year as well. I wasn't as confident that... You know, he was going to be buzzworthy moving, you know, especially after having the 32nd ranked defense. But (laughs) Ben Johnson, you know, coming back was shocking and sent the Lions into really an excited level because the band's going to be back together in regards to the offense. And that was the strength of the team. You look at the coaches now, I think that I think it's fair to assume that Aaron Glenn's going to be back. You're going to have your three. You're going to have Aaron Glenn, Ben Johnson, and Dan Campbell all working together, which should produce a lot of good results. I think it's great news for the Detroit Lions. It could happen. You never know. You know, I don't think that Aaron Glenn is the favorite to land the Colts job. It'll be interesting to see now that Dave Sears is from the Lions organization. The director of college scouting took a job to be the assistant general manager 
of the Arizona Cardinals. I wonder what tie that could play in. But I do see this. Aaron Glenn will be a head coach probably in the National Football League. I just see him needing two or three more years where Ben Johnson had instant results and is going to probably have an offense that's going to be in the top five again in 2022. I think this is the last year with Ben Johnson, so you need to get some playoff wins, and you need to teach and mold the next guy so that you absolutely know what the next plan will be. But it's very exciting times to know the coordinators probably are going to be back together, having the same consistent coaching staff with a lot of the same players. This probably is another sign that the football team is at least this point trending in a great direction for 23. Yeah, anytime your coordinators are getting head coaching interviews, you know you're doing something right. And I was more worried about losing Ben Johnson. The the NFL seems to love the young, offensive-minded coaches and what Ben Johnson did in his first full year as a play caller uh, with Jared Goff, you know, being a little bit of a, a project and getting him back on track to where he needed to go. I think that's a lot of credit to Ben Johnson. And I, I absolutely love that he's coming back and the Lions – deservedly so gave him a raise and that's that's what really needed to happen because Aaron Glenn yeah that's a little different it it wouldn't be great to lose Aaron Glenn Glenn you don't you don't want to lose him especially with how the defense was trending but I I agree with you in that regard that I he probably has one or two more years and he has to show a little bit more on the defensive side of the ball and I think he will once he gets more talent that you know he's a top defensive mind but it's usually the NFL prioritizes the offensive minds over defensive minds. And a big part of being a head coach is just like Dan Campbell, building a culture, being a leader. Sometimes you can be a, a great X and O's play caller type of guy, but that wasn't Dan Campbell. You still need to have the, the coaching element to it and being able to rally the troops and build a culture. And that's, that's a big part of the equation as being a head coach because much like Campbell, you can bring in coordinators to smart coordinators and guys you can bounce ideas off of to run the offense and, and defense. But that's just being a great defensive or offensive coordinator doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a great head coach. But in terms of Aaron Glenn, I think, yeah, he's probably still a year, year or two away from getting a head coach gig. So I'm not super concerned about it. But at the same time, it's still good to see his names in the hat, at least for these positions, because it. It means he's respected around the NFL and other teams see what he's doing and believe in him. And that's a testament to the Lions coaching staff right there that they're doing things the right way and their future, again, is looking bright. Future's looking bright. That's the theme of our talk here at the All Lions podcast. It was a fun season. It went by quick. Now you look at the schedule. We do have to put out there, it's a second place schedule. It's a lot tougher And I do believe this year's schedule will play out true to form in my early uh, prognostication, which will be the home schedule will give you a lot of opportunities. Look at the home opponents and then look at the away opponents. I think that you minimum have to go seven and one at home, six and two at worst, because it's going to be very tough, you know, to go four and five on the road. So I think the starting point is nine and eight. But realistically, if you can go, you know, seven and one at home, and you can go three and six on the road. That gives you a ten win season. And you look at it, and that's how it's probably going to play out. You you got to go to the Chiefs. You got to go to some real tough places on the road. And it's going to be tough. And I know it's always early, and people say those things. But the the names on the list on the road are teams that tend to end up being in the postseason. So you got to take care of business at home, and that's going to be great because attendance is going to be high. 
people are going to be into it. This is a 10-win football team with the right fit. So I think you can get excited that this football team at least has a chance to be in the wild card, hopefully higher than the number seven seed. Hopefully they have a chance to host a playoff game. I know that, you know, it's a young football team and things like that, but you got your quarterback, you got your offensive coordinator, you got your head coach, and now you got to figure out the defense and getting it to a standard that is acceptable, getting it to the line standard, and that will happen. Brad Holmes has showed that he can do that, and the evaluation on defense, all kudos to the scouting department. So it's good, man. It's good time. It's good. It's excited. I'm, I'm excited to fire it up. I think that you took a wait-and-see approach this year, but now you got to come back and you got to break it down. you got to start digging into the film, start watching some of these players, start watching Michael Mayer so you can give your honest and fair assessment because the internet blew up. When a network put out a podcast with a tight end at number six, but we got to give you know credit for them for doing it because they knew what was going to happen. It's there's no other way to look at it when you put that at number six, and we got to give a fair assessment: is this t- player worth selecting maybe in later rounds, or will he be there? We got to look at B. John Robinson. We got to look at the cornerbacks that people are talking about. We got to look at Miles Murphy and uh, Breezy and all those other talented players, Porter Jr. We will look at that, and that's what Logan and I are committed to do, is to bring you the best and the most insightful Lions podcast, and that's what we're trying to do, and Logan's going to dig into the film, me as well. We got a lot of scouts that we talk to, and it'll be a fun offseason, one of the most important, arguably, offseasons in Detroit Lions history, and we'll be here all throughout the offseason here at the All Lions podcast. Thanks, everybody, for subscribing. All you got to do is go to your favorite place, that you find podcast and look up Detroit Sports Podcast and the All Lions Podcast will find you. You can visit si.com slash NFL slash Lions. Make sure to visit Logan on Twitter. Very active, gives you the facts, gives you the knowledge, and puts you in a place where you know what this football team is doing statistically. Follow him on Twitter at L. Lamarandier, and his content is great every single day talking about the Detroit Lions. Logan, it's going to be a fun season, man. Let's go. Let's buckle up. Let's go along for this wild ride. It's going to be a good one. I can't wait, but appreciate you having me. Talk soon.